Go for it, Flix. We're right behind you. Here we are. Now, if we, uh, my name's Flix. If we haven't met before, hello. Welcome. If we have met before, hello. You all right? <laughs> let me just explain. You know, it comes to everyone, doesn't it? Now, let me just explain what we're going to do. Um, if you're not a Christian, if you haven't been here before, then this might blow your mind a little bit. But what we're, we, we as Christians, we believe, not just in this room, but all over the world, we believe in, in a God who exists and he wants to speak to us. Now that happens through various ways. It happens through the week. But on a Sunday, it happens through the worship. We come to a place where we get ourselves in a position where we're willing to listen. It happens through prayer, through being silent, through being together, and through reading the Bible. Through reading the Bible. Six, six books, poetry, history, biography, letters, lots of other genres. And as we read that, here's the mind-blowing bit, God actually starts to speak to us. And it's incredible. And that's what we're going to do this morning. And so what I'll do first, I'll, I'll pray first, and then we'll go into it. Father God, I thank you that you are a God who has an interest in us. As big as you are, you have something to say to us as individuals and us as a body and a family. I pray, Father, that we'll just align ourselves now with you and listen and just hear the things you want to say to us today to make us more and more like you. Amen. Before I start, though, today... I want to take you on an intellectual journey. Is that right? Well, okay. I can see some of you look concerned. <laughs> Flix, I have no problem with the idea of an intellectual journey. I'm just not sure you're the man to take us on it. <laughs> so, okay, I can see that. I can say, you're out of your depth. This is Ed Hawkins' territory. <laughs> he does the intellectual stuff. Know your level, Flix. This isn't it. Okay, look, it's okay. Because I've got the head mic on now, strapped on, so I'm kind of committed to doing this now. And I promise, if this doesn't work out, which is a good chance it won't, if this doesn't work out, I won't take you on any more intellectual journeys in the future, okay? A little agreement. So, half past 11, let's go. We're going to look at today... So our theme will follow, which we've been going through all through the year. And we're going to look at Psalm 23, a uh, fairly well-known psalm. Is, um, right, if you want to turn to your Bibles, I mean, it's, it's just there, obviously. But if you want to have a look at it in your Bibles, then it's about the middle, and then turn left. And there's Psalms. That wasn't a joke, that was just helpful direction. <laughs> but I'm going to read it to you now. It's poetry, obviously, but there's loads and loads of stuff in here, um, which... I'm not going to be able to cover in 20 minutes, but let's see what happens. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. 
And what I'm going to look at is those first five words, really. Perhaps that first comma. Because that comma, in some ways, is a bit of a fork in the road. If you can't say those first five words, then the rest of it probably isn't necessarily going to follow. So I think today, well, it's not a comma, it's a semicolon. <laughs> some of you would have told me that afterwards. So I'm just going to look at those first five words. The Lord is my shepherd. So if this verse is saying, here's our shepherd, does it then follow that we are sheep? It's a little bit of an insult, isn't it? Especially to our 21st century ears, being told we're sheep. It might have been right in Bible times. But it's a little bit insulting now. But before we get too insulted, let's just have a look. Let's have a look at what sheep are like. Now, just, uh, just as a heads up, at some point during this next section, there's going to be an IT-based pun, okay? I just want to warn you of that, because I spent a lot of time on it, <laughs> making it sound spontaneous. Okay, so the, the qualities of a sheep, what are sheep like? I mean, they live in a field, they kind of, uh, when, you have, when they're up to their own devices, they sort of wander around, eat grass, drink water. If there's a gate open, they'll go out and get lost. You know, in some ways, for a sheep, there's only so much going on, isn't there? There's only so much they're really going to be understanding within the parameters of their field. And actually, sheep do, I've done a bit of research, sheep do actually have a pretty good recall. They're pretty good at remembering stuff. Appropriately, the ram has a very good memory. <laughs> that, was, that was the IT-based joke. Okay. I don't know why you're groaning, because it's downhill from this point. <laughs> So sheep, you see, left to themselves, they're not really doing much. They haven't really got much direction. In fact, I doubt they even have much idea of what direction as a concept is. What do they know about the wool industry? They can't really shear themselves, can they? It's starting to sound to me like a, a sheep needs a shepherd. And what does a shepherd do? Oh, there's the IT fund again. What, what does a shepherd do? He gives direction. It's all up there. He finds them grass to eat, water to drink, safety. He gives protection. And there's no getting lost with the shepherd. And in the uh, sort of Bible times, this was written, the sheep would have followed the shepherd's voice. He wouldn't have had to go up behind them. They would have, they would have followed him. See, the shepherd isn't limited by the field. The shepherd sees the big picture. So is this us, Flix? Is that what you're saying? Is this us? Are we sheep? Yes, we are. And whether you're Christian or otherwise, we're sheep. And without a shepherd, we have no direction. So what do you mean, Flix, by, by direction in sheep? Sounds a bit conceptual. Can you just explain it a bit more? Well, what I mean is anything or that which informs our decisions. And that can be informing our behaviour, informing our attitude, our values, our ethics, our morality, etc. Because all of us are taking in information all the time from the world around us, from friends, from society, and we're kind of choosing to take it on or not take it on. Consciously or unconsciously, we're choosing to take stuff on or not. And that becomes our belief system. And everybody has a belief system. You may call it a personal code. If you're not too sure, then work out where you get offended 
And that's probably a good start to work out what your personal code is. And everyone has to believe. I mean, you meet the odd person, quite a few people maybe, who say, oh, I know, I know what you're like, Flicks, a Christian. I'm now in character. Okay. I know what you're like, Flicks, as a Christian, with all your, all your beliefs and stuff you, uh, you know, go by. You know, for me, for me, mate, I don't believe nothing. I know it's bad grammar, but I don't believe, I don't believe nothing, you see. I, I just am. I just is. But that's not really true, you see. If you're making decisions during your day about what the correct or incorrect path is to take, what the correct or incorrect action is to take, then you've got a belief system because you're using that to make that decision. There is no neutral position. But the presumption of mankind is that we're qualified to make those decisions. Accurate decisions, I mean, about what is right and wrong. We think we're qualified to make accurate decisions about morality and ethics. But we're not qualified. And that's because we don't know everything. We are limited in our thinking. Even the most intelligent person is limited in their thinking. We're sheep in a field. We're doing our best, but the parameters of that field are limiting how much we can know. And even our place in time, our location on the planet, our gender, our class, our education, our experience, our upbringing. And the thing is, it's not like people learn, really, through history. You look through history, people haven't really learned. Do you know I mean? Still crime still happens, war still happens, poverty, economic inequality. It all, it all still goes on. We're not really learning. And also, we don't really generally, I would say, have an honest assessment of ourselves anyway. You know, I, for me personally, I, know I, have a, I have a tendency to either think too much of myself or too little. It's difficult getting that balance. So we need direction outside of ourselves. Because it's not in here. All of us need a shepherd. And look, I'm not even necessarily talking about Christianity now, because there's, there's several shepherds out there who are willing to, to guide us. Jesus, of course, as we're talking about Christianity, calls himself the good shepherd. I won't read all that, but there are the verses there where Jesus refers to himself in the, in the book of John of being the good shepherd. But I want to look at the other shepherds. For the sake of argument, let's call them bad shepherds. And you can tell what a bad shepherd is. Here's, here's how you find a bad shepherd, okay? It's basically any viewpoint, ideology, theory, system of belief, religion, big idea, perspective, that validates your preferences. That massages your ego. That doesn't actually require you to change your behaviour or your attitude. It can sometimes keep you in an unhealthy position, which you've kind of come to accept. A bad shepherd is subjective. It's subjective to what we want to do. And whatever you believe or want to believe, you'll be able to find some rationale to justify that decision, to justify your actions. Some examples. If you... Um, if you really value material gain, possessions, you think that is the main goal, is to uh, gather and have as much stuff, there's plenty of validation out there. Adverts for a start will totally validate that viewpoint. Companies will welcome you in and want to help you with uh, making, giving them brand awareness, identifying yourself with their brand. The consumerist ideology, if you will, you know, will, will always want you talking about the, the must-have next, you know, next new uh, product on the market. Or if you don't want to believe in God, 
If actually you don't think God exists, or you're thinking this is too much for my, you know, it's an insult to my, to my reasoning, you will, especially nowadays, you will find loads of material out there to justify that view, to give you tools and a language to use, which um, helps you to sort of state an argument, to help you to actually um, ridicule, in some ways, other people's viewpoints. In fact, the default position of most comedians now seems to be that kind of atheistic position, and they argue it very well at times. Or physical pleasure, if that's your main goal, sexual experience, if that's really what you're thinking, this is what this life's all about, you will find definitely magazines and videos to justify that. Celebrities as role models even, I mean, no, no, they're not all bad, but some will justify that position for you. Even ancient history, the Romans and the Greeks, you look back and oh, they're at it the old time. God, if it's good enough for Julius Caesar, you know, it's good enough for me. You'll find that justification. Whatever you want to do, you'll find a language you'll be able to learn which validates that position. Which makes whatever you've chosen to seem like a reasonable response to the world we live in. But they're all self-serving. Self-indulgent. In these cases, the, you know, the bad shepherd is serving your, your image, your brain or other parts of your body. It's looking inward. And also... Let's be honest, people use God and the Bible as a bad shepherd at times as well. You can look through history, but not just history, but you can look through history and, and see awful acts and atrocities committed um, because someone says God told them to do that. Well, they found some validation in the Bible for it, for war and slavery and persecution. And people even on a, on a lower level use God to, to justify their unhealthy pursuit of wealth or status or power and influence. When someone says, God's told me this, Often what they're meaning is, um, this isn't up for discussion. Not always, but you can find that sometimes. See, the bad shepherd is basically subject to our preferences. So let's go the other way. Let's look at the good shepherd. Let me give you the case for the good shepherd, in fact. I've got three things. You see, Jesus, the good shepherd, is not subject to your whims or personal desires. The good shepherd is objective. You see, when you come to Jesus, you kind of find that your preferences become fairly irrelevant. Those pursuits and activities that used to give you a sense of identity, security, recognition even, those preferences which were unhealthy and self-indulgent are not going to be validated once you meet him. But he's more for you than you are. He shows you another way that isn't self-serving, that isn't self-centred. Here's the other thing about the good shepherd. He's generally inconvenient as well. You know, you can see it in a lot of the Gospels. Uh, one I can think of is when Jesus met the rich young ruler, a young man who had, who had done everything, everything right. And once Jesus said to him, well, I want you to give, some, give your money away, that was very inconvenient for him. Jesus told his disciples, uh, before he went to the cross, he told his disciples that the world will hate you because of me. That's not convenient, is it? And earlier, Jesus even said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, they need to pick up their cross and follow me. I mean, that's, an, that, that's imagery of hardship and death. That's the opposite of inconvenient. And another marker in some ways, this is my own personal one, another marker of telling whether something is true um, is whether it's inconvenient for that person. So when someone says to you, I've discovered this truth, if it doesn't actually require them to change in any way, I'm always slightly suspicious of whether it is that true. It happens to time where you're out already, does it? Okay. Well, yeah. 
Like money, for example. Let me give you some examples. I'll do a bit of acting again. Oh, Jesus, I've, I've got all this money. Look at this. It's lovely, isn't it? I've earned it all myself. I've put all the work in to make this lovely money. And now I'm going to go. What's that? What did you say? It doesn't belong to me. <laughs> I think you'll find my name's on the P60. No. What's that? It belongs to you. Everything belongs to you. What's that? No, I didn't hear that one. You want me to give some away? Oh, Jesus, this is very inconvenient. I'll do another one. Jesus, I mean, it's an amazing girl. And tonight is the night. Yes, I'm talking about sex. It's going to be fantastic. So, I'll see you. What's that? What's that? Yes? Yeah, if I'm going to physically connect with this girl, yeah, you also want me to connect with her socially, emotionally, okay, legally, okay, I can see where this is going now. She's getting very inconvenient, Jesus. I just wanted to sleep with her. And now you're bringing up the M word. Oh, Jesus, you won't believe it. My brother's done that again. He's so annoying. He makes me so angry. Oh, I tell you, next time I see him, I'm just going to blank him. See how he likes that, eh? If he does talk to me, I'll let him have it. What's that? So, Jesus, you want me to forgive him? <coughs> you don't know. Oh, no, you do know. You want me, hang on. You want me to actively love him and bless him in some way? Oh, Jesus, this is very inconvenient. <laughs> <laughs> See, pursuing your preferences is a lifelong pursuit. It's just going to take you further and further into yourself. Jesus came to save us from ourselves. From our egotism, our pride, our sense of superiority, our sense of inferiority, our false identities, our status as a victim or a martyr, us against the world, our navel-gazing. He came to save us from this. He takes our navel-gazing and puts our gaze in the right place, looking at him. And here's the second difference. The case with the good shepherd, number two. He speaks to our whole. He speaks to us holistically. See, the bad shepherd usually specialises in one or two areas. Whether it's your intellect, your physique, your emotions, your spirituality, even your bank account. And normally to the exclusion of other things. Here's some... um, Generalizations, feel free to weigh these up for yourself. I made them up. <laughs> because I think the pursuit of reason has a tendency to ignore the value of emotions and maybe mystery as well. The pursuit of, the, of spirituality has a tendency to ignore the value of reason and rationality. The pursuit of emotional highs and drama has a tendency to ignore the value of consistency and commitment. The pursuit of sexual pleasure has a tendency to ignore the value of patience and integrity. The pursuit of influence has a tendency to ignore the value of people and genuine friendship. And I think the pursuit of wealth has a tendency to ignore the value of anything. But Jesus, you see, he engages and speaks to to our hearts, our minds, our spirits, our bodies, our emotions, our whole identity. Jesus even says, I came to give you life in all its fullness. And finally, case for the good shepherd, number three. And this tells us who he is. He is imminent, which means 
God with us. You see, when we talk about God, we talk about a relationship. Not simply a religion or a philosophy. Not an idea in a book and a set of rules. Not a special formula where if we pray enough and do enough good things, he will let us into his house of clouds. See, what I'm talking about is really the outrageous claim that Christians have been making for 2,000 years. And that is that the word became flesh. It's in John, right at the beginning there, right at the beginning of John. He talks about it. And no other ideology or belief system has that. They have founders and prophets, writers and figures heads, but not imminence. <laughs> so you don't get, like with communism, you don't get someone saying, hi, hi, I'm, I'm communism, pleased to meet you. You know, you know, you know all these other, oh, it's all over the world, isn't it? But if you just look at me, you kind of got it covered. So just get to know me. Same with atheism, you don't really get that. I mean, atheism is really diverse in how, how it works, but you don't get like someone, it's, it's, there's no personification of atheism who says, hi, you know, there's loads of strands, I understand that, I understand that, but you just get to know me, then I'll guide you through the rest of it. But with Jesus, we get that, even there, we're coming up to Christmas. In Isaiah, he, he prophesied that Jesus would come and he called him Emmanuel, God is with us. And that is why we follow him. That's why he's the good shepherd because he's the only one worth following. And I want to leave you with a question that comes to the end of our intellectual journey. It's okay. And I want to leave you with a question today. And that is this. Are you following a shepherd that is convenient but bad? Or are you following a shepherd that is inconvenient but good? Because you don't come to that place of meeting Jesus because you want him to confirm what you've already decided. You come to him because you recognise you don't know it all. You're limited. You've messed up even. You've chosen paths which haven't been good for you. You've had bad shepherds. But Jesus says to you, I am the good shepherd. Come on, let's go this way. Can I just get the band up? I was going to read Psalm 23, Sam and the guys. And just look at those first five words. And feel free, I'll just read this, and feel free to sort of even just close your eyes and just, just take it all in, like a prayer. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.